thank you, Harrison, and thank you, our worship team. We need that kind of uh, worship on a gloomy morning, don't we? And I, gotta, I, you know, I really enjoyed getting back here and seeing Chase rock out on the piano. I mean, you can't really see it from out there, but he's like getting into it. So, um, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of help, you know, getting into that worship sort of uh, mode there. Uh, anybody else in here like struggle with kind of gloomy, rainy mornings? I mean, just getting it going. I definitely, I definitely do. I grew up in, uh, in Florida and spent almost 20 years in California, and my blood has gotten thinner. And uh, generally speaking, this time of year, I think I've got some bare DNA in me because January and February, I just don't like it, you know, and I just want to hibernate, okay? And so, you know, maybe you, maybe you can relate to that, but worship like this and digging into the Bible is able to re- regenerate me energized me in so many ways. The, uh, and you know, hey, last night, another one of those sleepless nights. I have them every once in a while, just not really able to connect with my sleep. So, you know, I get up early about three in the morning and kind of look over my notes and read the Bible and kind of try to pray and try to go, you know, in and out. And then I got on my tennis shoes still, my Nike tennis shoes, because I fractured my heel. Okay. So, uh, and so that's hard, those foot stomping songs. They're a little bit challenging, you know, on me. But we're here to worship God. We're opening up the Bible to the book of Exodus, set free to bring God glory. And we want to do that regardless of the weather, regardless of our moods, regardless of what's going on, you know, in our life. Let's open up to Exodus chapter, you know, chapter three. Our theme this morning is here I am, send somebody else. And can you relate to that? Anybody relate to that feeling? Okay, you get, you get an assignment. I mean, it could be in church. It could be in your family. Last night, you know, we had, a, we had a great leadership group retreat for Friday and Saturday. But I was a little worn out, a little bit tired. And so, uh, you know, I told, uh, told Kelly, I'm going to run up to Fresh Market, which is the closest place to our house, and I'm just going to go get, you know, some coffee. We're out of coffee. And so she said, oh, that's great. You know, could you go get me some salsa? And I go, yeah, sure. And she said, at Whole Foods. Now, I hate to go to Whole Foods for many reasons. It's expensive. The parking lot is really full. It's another four blocks of driving for me. And I have to make another left turn. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I mean, everything inside me was like, and I told her, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. But I felt guilty and went over there anyway. You know, and so I got her the salsa, got some coffee and all of that. I mean, simple things like that. But when you got big stuff, okay, that you really feel like God is calling you to do, or you're even your close friendships in Christ are encouraging you to do, but you just don't want to do it. We're not all like Isaiah. You guys remember this passage? Okay, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah, this is 700 years after Moses. He's maybe a little bit younger, younger man right now, but he sees a vision of God high and lifted up. He got these seraphs that are only mentioned one time in the Bible covering their face because you're not supposed to be able to look at, at God at all. And Isaiah says, woe is me. He thinks he's going to die because if you see God, you die. That's just how people, you know, felt and understood that. But instead, a seraph comes and touches his tongue. He's forgiven of his sins. And then God says, or, you know, he hears the voice of God, hey, who will go for us? And then Isaiah goes, here am I, send me. And God says, go. That would be nice if we're always like that, right? But we aren't, and Moses wasn't either. 
If you can relate to being a reluctant leader, well, you're right there with Moses. The Bible says he was a man, you know, just, you know, just like us. Okay, over in Exodus 3, okay? It should be in there right now. Uh, you remember Douglas spoke last week about uh, the burning bush, about burning but not being burned up or burned out. And that, that Moses, if you're looking at that opening in your Bible, it says, Moses looked, he saw this bush that was burning but not being burned up, and then he listened and he heard the voice of God. You know, this is a good thing to think about. And Douglas encouraged us, even challenged us this coming week, take time to be holy and take time to listen to God, especially in the Bible. And he, he kind of put that challenge out there. How can you just watch four hours of Netflix or whatever your thing is and just kind of look at the Bible for seven minutes? How does that work exactly? What does that produce in your life? And what does that maybe say about you? That's a good challenging thing in a world that's so full of media, you know, and it finds a strong place, you know, in our life. But I remember back, uh, back in college, I was, a, I was just a young Christian, and I was in a humanities class. Remember those? It was a humanities class, and they, you looked at different literature and different poetry, and something caught my attention and caught my heart. I've always remembered this because I was just starting to get into the Bible, and it was a quote by a, a poet, an author, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and here's how it went. Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush is a flame, but only those who see take off their shoes while the rest of us sit around and pluck blackberries. What the point is, is God is all around us. Do you agree with that? That you, you, the idea is to see God in your every situation, in your every day. Did, did you see God yesterday? Did you see him working in some way? Did you hear God at all? Because this is, after all, a relationship with God, but you do have to have your antennas up, and you do have to be in a place where you're listening and where you're looking. And so in this, you know, we, we know what's happened. God's people have been in captivity, and, and God says, I've seen the suffering, and we've made that point. God hears, and he cares, and he sins, and he's got a plan, even the challenges in our life. And he says, so now go. I'm going to send you to provide hope to your people in Egypt. Now, Moses is an older guy now. He had his midlife crisis at 40, messed things up. God sent him out in the desert. He's a lot older, maybe, maybe twice that age right now, 70, 80 years old. And he's being told to go back to Egypt. But Moses says to God, well, who am I to do this? What am I going to be able to do? Now, you're going to notice in this passage, and as you read through the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4, there are a lot of questions. Moses is going to ask questions, and God is going to ask Moses questions. And the what we're trying to do in this is to understand, just like the Bible says about Elijah, he was a man just like us. And Moses was a man just like us. And Esther was a woman just like us. These, these are real people, flesh and blood, who had challenges and they struggled with, am I going to do it God's way and take on his assignment or just go, you know, send somebody else. As we go on in the chapter, I want you to, to, to notice Moses says, here's his first question. He says, suppose I go. 
Okay, and I say the God of your fathers has sent me. What's his name? What shall I tell them? And that's where Douglas zeroed in on the I am and did a great job digging in. I hope you're studying out those kinds of things even now. And God says, I, you know, I am. You know, uh, this is what you're to say. I am has sent you. And then you love this. Uh, Moses answers. He goes, um, you know, uh, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And the Lord did not appear to you. Now we're going to remember, you know, the, uh, uh, you, you know, when, when you keep on reading there in Exodus chapter three, what God actually says, you know, to Moses, He says, God goes, I will be with you. Did you catch that? Did you see that in your verse? I think it's probably about verse twelve. And this is what God says to all of these men and women who need to do His will. I will be with you. He says it to Moses, to Joshua, to Gideon, and on and on. And then he says it to us. He gives us a collective job. In Matthew 28, he tells us to go and make what? Disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will what? I'll be with you. So we all have a collective vision as well and a collective, you know, commission from God to go as well. Same, same, same phrase, part of simple, as you go, make disciples. And so we got to, you know, we'll decide. And are we going to go, I'll go, or God, please send somebody else. God's answer is always going to be the same. You know, I am with you. You know, what's our response going to be? That's what we're trying to work on right now. In, in verse 9. You know, uh, we've already covered that. And then in verse 13, suppose, you know, I go. Who am I going to say it is? And God says, I am sent you. And then Moses goes, hey, what if they don't believe still? This is very interesting what God says. He says, what is in your hand? And he says, a staff. We're in chapter 4 now. You should just look over on your Bible just on the other side of the page and you'll see it. He says, what is in your hand? Because Moses is trying to figure out, how am I going to do this? How am I going to accomplish this? I'm an old guy now. You know, I may still, there still may be a wanted poster, you know, out for me. What am I going to do? He says, what is in your hand? You know, we do sometimes with our guys that are training for ministry. We just, you know, we'll have a ministry class and we'll just have them get up with what is in their hand or on their lap and make them get up and preach about it. Like if it's a water bottle, they got to preach about the water bottle. If it's a smartphone, they'll take the smartphone and they'll preach, you know, for three or four minutes about the smartphone. Or if it's a pen or whatever it is, and they just take what they've got and they use that and connect it, you know, to, to the message and to the scriptures. Well, we know what happens if we've been reading on. You have been reading Exodus, right? have been reading Exodus. Are you going to work on that today? Okay, so you, we, probably you should be way through this material. Okay, and now you're reflecting on it, and we're trying to give you things to think about during the week and discuss even in your midweeks coming up. Ladies, you're, you're on deck for, you know, for Wednesday. Well, what's in his hand? It's a staff, and we know what happens. He throws it on the ground, and uh, God tells him, throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake, and God actually tells him, Moses, pick it up by the tail. And Jeff, uh, you, know, you know, illustrated that in a good way on Wednesday with the guys. That's a pretty challenging thing. If you're looking in your Bible, Moses wants to run away and go the other direction, picking up a snake by the tail. But he does it. God honors it. It turns uh, back into a staff. And then he says, put your hand inside your cloak, and it turns leprous. And when he pulls it out, it's healed again. And then he says, if they don't listen to you then, get some water from the Nile, pour it out. And what's it going to turn into? into blood, okay? And these are the signs you're going to have. So I am going to equip you. 
with what's in your hand, with what you've got, with what is around you to be able to, to accomplish you know, this job. So, so you would think Moses would go, yeah, that's great. Let's roll with this. But no, Moses, again, he's trying to get out of the assignment. He's just like me and you. What's going on? We don't know. Is it insecurity? Is it fear? Is it laziness? Is he just feeling like he's too old or, you know, unequipped? Or is he just flat out not wanting to put in the effort? We don't know. The Bible doesn't give us that much detail on it. But he, what he, 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 he says is, I, I can't speak very well. I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. We feel that way too, don't we? A lot. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good communicator. I don't know what to say. You know, and I, you know, I get confused. I don't know how to answer questions. And so God asked him some more questions. Moses, who made your mouth? Moses, who makes people deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Now, go. I will help you. Speak and teach what you're to say. Parents and children should understand probably the tone of voice here. At this point, it's probably shifting. Who made your mouth? Who, 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 who gives people words to say? Go! And you're going to see this, this accelerates a little bit. The question is going to come up, you know, does God ever get angry? Here's what you see if you're reading on in verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Here am I. Send Dennis. Here am I. Send Chris. Here am I. Send Chase. He can talk. He can even play a harp. He's like David. Send him. How does God respond when he keeps working with us and giving us assignment and helping us know he's going to be with us, okay, and he's eventually going to offer in just a verse or two to send a brother, you know, with him to help him? Maybe this surprises you, but the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, well, what about your brother? Aaron the Levite, I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. I'm already lining this up. He'll be glad to see you. You speak to him and put words in his mouth. Now go. Can God love us and still get a little ticked off with us? You think it? Can you love people and still be a little ticked off with them? A little angry? You can't anger and not sin, right? You know that's in the Bible. Okay, you know, this happens, and, and some people, our culture, our generation, really struggles with this. We want to just toss out, well, how could a loving God do this, that, you know, you know, or the other, and not really dealing with what Scripture says and what reality, if we stop to think about it, you know, uh, you know, it, you know indicates, you know, to us. This is something that, that I, want us to, uh, I want us to consider. Does God get angry? Does the Bible comment about that? Now, you're going like, wow, that's what I really wanted on a rainy morning to hear this. Hey, so many passages on this. Let's, let's just be logical. Here's what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God loves us. It's his overwhelming characteristic. But when we are resistant and hard-hearted, God will get upset with us. He'll work with us to help us change. He'll send people to help us, you know, to, to, to be able to change. How, just how angry did God get with Moses? 
Anybody know? Got your Bible open? Can you go down to verse 24? What's it say? God was upset, and he almost took him out right there. The Bible tells us God was ready to kill most. He was that upset. Aren't you glad that God's patience overwhelms his anger? And he didn't, but, but he was really upset. I'm not that naive to know there have probably been times where, where God has been really upset with me and maybe tempted to do, you know, take me out. I know Kelly has, no doubt about that. <laughs> you can love someone and still be angry with them. God doesn't. He doesn't kill Moses. But he felt like it. You ever feel like killing somebody? Think anybody ever feels like killing you? You know, taking you out. God does love us, but he's not an old, silly grandfather up in the sky going, what do we want to get the grandkids for Christmas? I don't know. When's their birthday? That's not God. He's like a loving, kind father, but he will give discipline, and you can make him angry. You can get him upset. You can tick him off. You don't want to do that. Just look at the passages. Sometimes God gets, gets upset and angry with wicked people. Okay, there are a few wicked people around. He also sometimes gets angry with a whole nation. He was angry with his chosen people. He loved them, but he was upset with them. He gets angry with individuals. He got very angry with Solomon. And he especially, I think, God gets upset with us when we're leaders or we're very privileged. And we have a lot that's offered to us, and we just squander it. And we, don't, we blow off his, you know, his commands. Uh, well, well, maybe this is just the Old Testament. That's that Old Testament stuff. Jesus would never get angry at anybody, right? No, wrong. In this case, he especially got angry with religious people who went to church constantly, but they had a hard heart. And they didn't really care about people. And Jesus looked around at him, and he was ticked off. He was angry. It hurt him. It grieved him. Why do these people who know the Bible and claim to be my people, you know, are so uncompassionate and don't care? Did Jesus kill them there? Did he? He probably didn't even taser them. But he was upset. And he had every right to be. He told a parable once. Anybody know this one? Luke 14 on discipleship, right? On discipleship. And Jesus told a parable about some people who were given an assignment to do and received an invitation, but they all made what? Excuses, all right? You know, we, we know how excuses go. Sometimes they're really good excuses, and sometimes they're just lame excuses, Sometimes we think if we make good excuses, oh, that gets us off the hook. Not necessarily if it's often our priorities, but sometimes we can make really bad, you know, excuses. Anybody remember one of our heroes in the faith and a great friend to, uh, to people in Atlanta, and particularly around the southeast, a, a brother named Andy Van Buren? Andy's a great, you know, man who's going on to be with the Lord at this point. Well, we were contemporaries in our campus ministry. And we, uh, we both had something in common. We were always late, okay, when we were college students. Always late. And, you know, we would get creative on, you know, you know, on our excuses. For me, I didn't want to tell bold lies. So I would just, I would just 
massage it. And so, oh, why were you late, Tom? Well, you know, class went really late, or this Bible study went really late. Yeah, that's true. It was eight hours earlier, though. And had nothing to do, but I felt all right about it. And I was, like, constantly late. And, they, and, and Andy was maybe worse, okay? And there was one time, we had a, a little tradition back in our campus ministry called a brother's circle. And we'd get at the like, end of a devotional, we'd all get the guys and make a big circle and we'd sing. You remember that, you know, Sherwin. And so, uh, and, and so, so Andy was coming late again. We were in a brother's circle and, uh, hey, Andy, you're late again. And what happened? He said, he said, I think I injured my spleen. And then it, at that point, everybody just cracked up. I mean, not that we, were, we didn't care about his spleen. It was just another one of these, you know, crazy things that he would come up with. You know, you know and I mean, there are all kinds of these excuses. You ought to go to the internet sometime and see what some of the excuses about people that miss work from the human, you know, resources. You know, I caught my uniform on fire by putting it in the microwave to dry. And that's why, you know, I missed it. I accidentally got on a plane was one of them. I woke up in a good mood. I just didn't want to ruin it. Okay, there you go. Okay, that's why I didn't come. And then police get all these excuses, you know, you know, as well. Well, the telephone pole was approaching. I was attempting to swerve out of its way when it struck my front end. That's what happened, officer. I don't know who to blame, officer. I wasn't looking, you know. And so that's, that, that's we got it in us. Even the book of Proverbs says, a lazy man will not, even, will not go out because you know what he's going to say? There's a lion in the street, and he might eat me, right? You might roll that at work, you know, or at class. I was afraid to go out because there might be a lion out there, and he might eat me, okay? And what the, what's the issue the Bible's talking about? Laziness. You know, Jesus actually, I, I mean, these were halfway decent excuses, Okay, a reason some of us would say, but we, we just, I want you to wrestle with this, okay? I want you to talk to God about it. I want you to talk to your husband or wife about it, your close friends, when you have a circle, and talk about, hey, am I resisting God in, you know, in some areas that he wants me to do, and I'm just coming up with all of these excuses and all, you know, you know and all of these reasons. We're going to talk about this with the men at some point because there is unrighteous anger that I'm not going to go into details here, okay? And the book of, you know, um, you know because, because there's some bad stuff that happens with anger. The Bible tells us in our anger, do not sin. And it also tells us, you know, here, human anger does not work the righteousness of God. Anger has hurt so many people. It's destroyed families, destroyed marriages. Men are typically more, uh, you know, culpable on this, you know, than women. And we're going to talk about that when the men get together about really controlling our anger and not hurting our wives and not hurting our children and not hurting other people. Anybody remember Moses getting a little bit angry and suffering a consequence? Not just when he was 40 and killed an Egyptian and got sent out to the desert. But when he was on the verge of going into the promised land, he was angry and he did what to a rock? He struck it and God said to, to, to talk to it and God, hey Moses is in heaven, you'll have some great fellowship with him. But he lost a piece of his dream and he didn't get to physically go into the promised land but see it from afar. Enough on that, but guys, we don't wanna talk about that, okay? Because let's leave the anger to God, right? Because he knows how to, to deal with it. Here's what the Bible says as we, as we, we wrap up here. To, so today, if you hear his voice, that's what we want to do this week, to hear the voice of God. If you hear his voice, 
Don't harden your hearts as you did in rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me and tried me, said, don't harden your hearts. Remember what the next verse, verse 12 says? So encourage one another every day as long as it's called today. We need each other to help us with this, to keep our hearts from getting hard. You know, where your ancestors tested me and tried me, though for 40 years, this is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways, so I cleared an oath of my anger. They shall never enter my rest. We don't, need, we, we, we don't have to go in that direction. And you know, Moses, Moses accepted God's input. He was, he was a beacon of hope to others. We're a beacon of hope, you know, to others. But let's not let excuses, you know, let's not let our own insecurities cause us to, to go to this place where we go, instead of going, here am I, Lord, send me. What can I do to go, here am I, send somebody else. We've got a loving God. We've got a strong God. Let's always humble ourselves before him. I think we're ready for a closing song, right, Sherwin? Or we, you want us all to stand? All right, let's do it. Let's all stand, and we'll have our last song. Mm-hmm.